Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good to see you guys. Lovely to see happy, smiling faces. Is everyone good? Man, is it like February weather at the moment? What is going on? Hopefully something weird's not happening in there. It was absolutely stunning. We, I felt like we needed sunblock at one point, uh, but that's a bit over-exaggerated. It was fantastic. Uh, hey, can we put it together for Willie and Lou? That was... Thanks, guys. Man, it's so good to be together. Who's ready for the Word of God? If you're not, hard luck. We're into it. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew 11 and verse 28. I want to read the words of Jesus. And um, they're quite important words, it turns out. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Very good. Glad some of you didn't say more religion. No, rest. Not my words, Jesus' words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. I, I love, oh man, I wish we had three or four hours. You're like, glad we don't, sir. If you're wondering what the, who is God? I mean, he's powerful, but he's also humble and gentle. I mean, that's just, oh, that's like bread to the soul, isn't it? Thank you, God, you'll be gentle and humble towards me today. And then you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray it goes into good soil today. I pray against distractions. I pray you take anything from this message that's not of you. And I pray that you would use, loose my lips to be your mouthpiece today. I don't, I'm not interested, Lord, in what I've got to say, but in what you've got to say. So we pray, we thank you for your word. We value it, we cherish it, we come around it and we eat from it today in Jesus' name, amen. Kicking off a series today called Foundations, Foundations. It's gonna be a mini-series as we have felt led to be disciples, being disciples. That's our year's focus on year two of following Jesus. And we felt in this series that we're kicking off today that it's time to take a step back because you can hear a lot of Christian words, a lot of Bible words, a lot of words, just words generally. There's a lot of words. And uh, sometimes, you know, we may be overwhelmed and not know what they mean. Or we may have heard them so much we think we already know what they mean. So let's take a step back from that today, shall we, everyone? Even those of us who are apparently professional Christians, aka pastors. <laughs> let's step right back. And um, I want to share on being yoked to Jesus. So I'm... Um, a lot of what we would hear in the, with the Word of God, from the Word of God, will be at the, um, the power end of addressing issues in our lives, and we've sung about that today. But I want to go to the foundational end. Hopefully the two can collide well in our lives, being yoked to Jesus. How many of you are happy to admit that sometimes, or, or happy to acknowledge at least, that sometimes we hear Jesus say things that we don't always understand? Anyone happy to go there? Okay, I'll put up both hands and a leg. And do the hokey pokey and turn around, <laughs> put my left leg in, shake it all about. Sometimes I'm like, man, I read something that Jesus says, and I'm like, Jesus, I love you, but could you speak in England? I mean, English, could you just? <laughs> and actually, it's interesting that he did not speak in English. 
He spoke in um, his language, and then it got gets translated, and that's a whole other. It's a foundational conversation. It's important. But I find it quite inter- quite similar, actually. This whole dynamic, not always understanding, to how I feel towards some of my teenagers at times. You're saying something, but I'm not sure what it is. And I'm sure they look at us and go, "You're saying something, but how do I get away from you?" You know. That? <laughs> Jesus's yoke is easy. Did you picture um, eggs Benedict? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you picture a poached egg on a toast? Yeah. It's nothing to do with chickens. The, t- the term, I, I grew up listening to, you know, in church, listening to the word being exp- explained or unpacked. And certainly one meaning, we understood it to be an agricultural meaning. This is a picture of a... Um, two friends, <laughs> and the agricultural and, and the contextual meaning. And by the way, even though we don't always understand what Jesus said, there was always a context in which he said it, always. It never was said out of context with no actual reference to something that's tangible if you dig around long enough to find it. But this, uh, my friends, these are two animals, correct? They're on their way to Under the Hood HQ. And all the vegans said, amen. And that, that though, that is a yoke, the, the thing that holds them together. And so the first meaning is a true meaning. And these um, an agricultural society understood Jesus was actually saying, hey, I've got a yoke that if you connect to, okay, it's light and it's burdensome which that does not look burdensome or light, does it? You know, our 2023 thinking, modern thinking is, I'll only be light and burden and without burden if I can do this on my own, thank you. That if I connect to anything, if I'm restricted in any way, it is the antithesis of light, grace, flowing, life-giving. But the meaning in the agricultural sense is one, but the second one that we, and, and maybe I won't lump you in this, but I missed as a younger Christian, was the spiritual meaning. And the spiritual meaning is this, that rabbis in Jewish culture had something called a yoke. And the yoke was their teaching. So what they taught was the yoke of their rabbi. It's very like, that is actually still the case today. And Really interesting that rabbis were really highly revered in culture. Um, Their job was to teach the scripture. Uh, To be a rabbi, you had to have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, word perfect, by either the age of six, between six and 10. So you're not even able to be a rabbi unless you do that first. Then what happens, the next stage is, was whether you can comprehend what you've memorized. So it's one thing to memorize stuff, but tell me what it means. And how did they test what a rabbi knew of the text? By the questions they asked. So you read where Jesus was in the temple at age 12, and he asked questions. And what were all the religious scholars, what, what was their response? In awe of the questions he asked. Why? They've got a rabbi in their midst. A rabbi. And, and what's interesting is rabbis only came up every two or three generations. It was not a weekly event. Because the next phase, between 12 and 30, is whether you actually live this teaching. 
Now, you can memorise it, you can ask the questions, but if you go ahead and break any of the teaching in your conduct, you're not a rabbi. So it is a very high bar. And then the fourth thing that had to happen is that you actually, as a rabbi, had to be confirmed by two witnesses. Two witnesses had to say, he's memorised it, he has the authority of it in his life. He asked Before that, he asked the questions. And this is actually what happened, that you have to be, before you're officially a rabbi, two witnesses. So what happened with Jesus? You see that all Scripture is, is intentional because who confirmed and witnessed him? John the Baptist, who said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And who was the second voice that confirmed him? God himself who from heaven when he was baptised said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And what's the last bit? Listen to him. Confirming he was a rabbi. Then he went from there into what? The temptation in the desert. And he was tempted by the devil to see whether really this Jesus was legit or not. And he came out in power, meaning his yoke and his teaching had authority. So that's why they call him Rabbi Jesus. Yeah, that's why they call him. Now, we're not even dealing yet with whether he's Messiah and Saviour because that, that's kind of like next level. And some of you in the room have actually known him as a Saviour before you even knew him as a rabbi. Like me, I didn't even know, my, I didn't even know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The, the books went in that order before Jesus touched me in a powerful way. And then it was like I had to go backtrack from what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life. And some of you will know exactly what I mean. God turned up, God revealed himself, God made you believe, however that worked. But you see, one of the challenges is without the foundation of a yoke in our lives, we're left relying on moments and experiences. No, there's nothing wrong with moments and experiences. I pray you have one today. I pray you encounter God. But like I was talking before about this end of the, the continuum, Many believers today struggle because actually there is a yoke in their lives that is not the yoke of Rabbi Jesus. What is a yoke again? The teaching of a rabbi. Now we've got a lot of teaching going on in our lives. I'll give you a real clumsy example. Bring this photo up for me, um, Sophie. It's of a woman and I actually am not entirely sure of her name. Her name I think is Valerie. Is it Rebecca, do you know her name? Is it Valerie? This is a reel, people. Uh, it's not that real, but it's a reel. And it's on Instagram. And um, Valerie is a wonderful um, person. She's a rabbi in skincare. She, she doesn't believe in Botox and in um, fillers and in um, medicinal, uh, what, surgical uh, uh, outcomes. She believes that the face... And now this is going to be good. Some of you are taking notes already. I can just see it. And she believes that the wrinkles that we get as we get through, I found particularly in our 40s, but these wrinkles, um, they can actually be, um, the creases can be smoothed out by massaging, go to the next slide, by massaging your um, face and your skin. You can still get morning puffiness and sleep wrinkles. Now, So she doesn't use injections or fillers. Some of you are like, this was a great Sunday until this moment. <laughs> um, but I just want to show you this next slide as well. So I have yet to find a girl whose sheet mask fits her face perfectly. And um, anyway, you might be wondering why I'm showing you this. It's because my wife has been um, really enjoying her teachings. 
And over summer, um, Rebecca was doing the exercises. Quite cool, aren't they? And I saw her doing them so much that I was like, I'm going to give this thing a go. And so there's a couple of things. Do you, is this one of them, Beck? Is that what you do? No, and that was the problem, wasn't it? I would be like, at an evening, I'd be watching and I'd start doing it. And, I, and she goes, hey, stop it. Beck, Rebecca would go, stop it. You're going to make more wrinkles. And I thought, you can't win, can you? We can, oh, good, you did take it off. Well done, yeah. This is just one of maybe 10,000 voices. Got political voices. <laughs> You've got cultural voices. You've got family voices. There's just voices that come into our life. And, and I know it's a clumsy example, but the teaching of the voices become yokes in our life. So you might actually have a voice that you have as a pattern in your life that was a predominant voice at one part of your life. And if you abide by that teaching, you are yoked to that rabbi. That's how this works. I'll give you scriptural proof, John 8. If you abide in my word, continually obeying my teaching and living in accordance with them, Jesus said, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's important to know, and I, if, you can, if you can lean into this thought, even mentally right now, just think about this. It's important to know that Jesus' yoke isn't just information, okay? There is no Jewish word for knowledge as information alone. There is no Jewish word for knowledge that is information. We live in an information age. If I did a survey and asked how many of you use daily pi, 3.141592653589, a lot of effort went in at school to learn pi. Grant's a pilot. Do you use pi every day? Shaking his head. You don't even need pi to land a plane. I'm sure someone, when they built it, might have used a concept that relates to it. There's so much in our culture today that's just been information only. But the Jewish word for knowledge to, that we would think is information, his teachings, is actually a Jewish word, knowing is doing. That's the word for knowledge. Knowledge that is done. In Matthew 7, Jesus taught this. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine, his teaching, his yoke, and puts them into practice, if you do that, you're like a person who's building a house on a rock. When the rain and the storm came, the steams rose, steam, steams, where are we, Hamner? Streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation. What's the reference? His teaching and doing them becomes foundation. And winds can rise up and pressure, persecutions and challenge. Listen, you are gonna, you are gonna go through storms. You already have. If you have the rabbi master Jesus' yoke in your life, and if that teaching is actually something you know, don't just know, but do, you're gonna stand in the storm. You're gonna make it. I thought that would get a better response. A couple of people are... I'm telling you today something that the news is not telling you. You're going to make it. I've lived through a recession. You can make it. Not if, not if you build your, um, if your yoke is something else, that's a question. 
Because Jesus said, but everyone who hears the words, so you're in a moment like now, but does not do them, does not put them into practice. That's the, that's the description of foolishness. Who is building a house, a life, on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus has a yoke, which is his teaching. Jesus expects us to hear his teaching, and he expects us to at least try to live it. I'm not saying you ace it every time, but what I am saying is the word, the yoke that we're attached to has to become something that gets lived. So here's a question, real simple question. Whose yoke are you living under? Whose yoke are you living under? What's the core ethos, the core teaching? What's the foundation of your life today? In other words, whose teachings shape your life? Is it easy? Is it light? Here's a good work word. It's a real pragmatic question. Does it actually work? Has it set you up or has it shut you down? Has it set you free or bound you up? I'll never forget living in, living in the 80s, growing up in the 80s in church. I thought the will of God was like, as one philosopher said, a tightrope over shark-infested waters. That's what I thought the will of God was. So I was petrified. And I also heard a lot about punishment, how God would punish. And it's true, God does punish, but He doesn't punish His sons and daughters the same way He punishes His enemies. Is that news to some of you? Did you hear it? He doesn't punish His sons and daughters the same way that He punishes His enemies. He will destroy His enemies, but I believe He'll coach His sons and daughters. So what would happen when I went to the garage as a young kid and I dropped a hammer on my toe? I thought God's punishing me. That's what I grew up with under the yoke of a teaching that was either my childhood interpretation or it was a bit mixed up. How important it is that we come back to the yoke of Jesus. Not to get into heaven one day. Some of us treat the Bible like a second salvation. If I read enough of it, God will do good by me. I'll make it to heaven one day. No, the whole point is that heaven will get into you here and now. And that you'll live under the yoke, what? Of freedom and life. And that you will know the difference between dropping a hammer on your foot as being a mere accident. I don't know, could have it been God? Or could have it been that you picked it up wrong and you didn't really have good grip strength? Definitely a 51% chance of the latter. This is a good message. So I ask again, the yoke you're living under, does it set you up or shut you down? Does it set you free or bind you up? Could it be from your parents? Parents are awesome people, but they're human as well. And they're probably not rabbis that memorise Genesis, Exodus, the biggest numbers, Deuteronomy, off by art. And they're certainly like some of the themes they hand down, some of the mindsets that we pick up. I, I've, had, I've had to do work at learning how to honour my parents, but also challenge what I picked up as a child. Have you? If you haven't started yet, you'd best start now. Could it be a boss who at an early stage had great power over you? What about, you know, the fear of man, the Bible says the fear of man is a sneer. It's always living, worried about what people think. Never being free in your own spirit to actually draw on and find the true path to life. Fearing God, honouring people, 
but not coming under their fear. Could it be that? Could it for you be culture, that you're swayed by culture? Was it Peter or James or one of them that said, you know, when our faith is not foundational, we can get blown away, blown around by every wave of teaching, wind of teaching, teaching. You know, the teaching that we pick up from there and there and there and there. And it's like, that's not even Christian, people. It's not even Christian. When we don't know what, how God works, when we don't know what Jesus has done, it becomes a yoke that enslaves us. A couple of weeks ago, I got sent a um, DM from a guy uh, on IG. Do you like all these ignorance? Ec- ec- acronyms, thank you. And it happens um, reasonably regularly. In fact, this happened in person at Easter service last week. It was that just after the service. And so I'm not going to divulge their name or their identity, but I, am, I just want to share this because I think it's a great example that this is what his message said. It was on a Monday or a Tuesday. Hey, Graham, hope your week is going well. Quick thing, if I could bounce something off you that you may be able to help with. I'm struggling with a feeling of loneliness. This is a guy. That's strange, but it seems to pop into my head every now and then. I think it stems around not having a dad. Kind of strange. And I thought when he wrote that, not really. But I know, I said to wife's name last night, that I feel exposed to it. Sorry to drop this on you. Any direction will be greatly appreciated. So this is what I replied. Hey, that's, that's code for name. <laughs> I wrote, wow, what's the story with your dad? No dad at all or a rubbish dad? Question mark. It's better to cut to the chase, isn't it? Never, his answer was never had one, so rubbish. And I, I thought, yeah. So, so, so this, is, this is what I wrote to him, okay? There's two things to consider no matter what seems to burden us. Number one, God cares about what we care about. Remember, the word says that to lay our burdens on him is what he wants. Tell him in no uncertain terms how you feel with words, exactly how you feel, how it affects you and what you want him to do with it. Number two, feelings always stem from thinking. The thinking may or may not be true, But what is more true is God knew and predestined you to be, this is in capitals, great, with or without a dad. Do you realise God can do that? Even with a crummy upbringing, even with a crummy situation, even with a really dog of a thing you went through, God can still do something with it. Do we sing Waymaker this morning or we're just pretending? So I said that to him. Nothing takes away from the fact, however, replacing the thought though with a thought like, God would be your dad directly. Two, he places other father figures in your life. Three, he is loving and watching over you. Four, he encourages you. Five, he, he opens doors for you. That's all the things dad does, dads do. Dad does. All of these, I said, are to be thought of and will begin to co- conquer the loneliness. And now I come against that in the name of Jesus. Every part of you which thinks you're an orphan because you are not. And I carried on ranting for a little bit. And then I met up with him during the week. The one on Easter Sunday, very similar. But what I found, and I found it to be very, very interesting, it's one of the great trends when we're struggling 
in things which are opposite to God's light and easy yoke is there is a great lack of depth in the foundation. In both cases, this is not, a, this is not because it's a test. In both cases, they for themselves at the time could not come up with the truth to lead them out of that place. They needed someone, and we do need that at times, to come alongside and begin to speak truth over us. But listen, it's not going to be enough. He's going to cycle back into that unless he gets a new yoke in his life. He's connected to the thought that because I have no dad at all, that I'm disadvantaged. When I shared um, face-to-face with him, I told him I actually had a dad, but because of his own journey and his own mental health, he wasn't a very active dad. So listen, at the end of the day, whether this issue relates to you or not, whose yoke are you under? Are the Scriptures your ticket to heaven or are they the foundation at which the life of God comes into so the burden's light and the load is easy? And and I'm not just talking about trying to read lots and lots and lots of words. I'm talking about truth at the core. Amen? So I want to finish this morning by giving you some teaching of Rabbi Jesus so you'll at least walk out being yoked a little bit more this morning. Now, I pray the yoke remains and it lasts. That's really up to you, like Jesus said, to begin to even exercise it. But if you are taking notes, these are short statements, short words, and they're worth writing down because I wanted to summarise, I don't know if there's six or seven, but I wanted to summarise the basic tenets of the yoke of Jesus. Number one, this is Jesus' teaching, very important. And in, in, in these groups, every other teaching, I think, flows from it. That the kingdom of God is near to you. What does that mean? Why is that a yoke of his teaching? Because we are called to take focus off other kingdoms, other shadow players, other voices, and place it on him. The largeness of the kingdom yoke is so great that the whole world is going to become peripheral, is peripheral to his kingdom. What does that mean? God's kingdom is here. It's not far off. If you've pledged loyalty to Jesus Christ, Luke says, the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, what is his kingdom? His rule, his reign, his reality. So I want the kingdom of God reality. I want grace working in my life. I want peace reigning in my life. I want love reigning in my life. I want joy reigning in my life. I want gentleness reigning in my life. I want to be able to respond rather than just react. Hey, and if I do react, I want grace to be able to tidy up the mess. That's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God brings healing and freedom and deliverance. You don't have to be bound and chained up to what you're chained up to today. You can come under a different yoke. Jesus' name. Secondly, think eternity and not just immediacy. Not very good grammatically kind of charged sentence. But the point I wanted to make is most of the trouble we have is holding on to things that are temporal rather than things that are eternal. I.e., if your job does finish, guess what? There's still an eternal God working on your behalf, still your provider. I'm thankful that Jehovah Jireh, my provider, is not dependent on the OCR's rate. Goes up, oh, Jehovah Jireh's going down. No, he, I am attached to a yoke that is providing for me no matter what I go through. And, and it's our focus to go onto eternal matters and not just matters of today and in the temporal. And you've got to battle for it. You've got to battle for it. You've got to think through. I got a question on, on Instagram during the week about dying. 
did a Q&A and someone said that they're worrying about dying. And I happen to know the person who's been diagnosed with cancer. So I gave the answer, which was, if you have not thought about the end of your life, this part of your life will never make any sense. Eugene Peterson said, the reason people struggle to live today is they've not thought about the end game, heaven, about eternity. So you've got to have eternity in your heart. Three, the heart matters as do matters of the heart. Jesus taught this as one of his yoke because the majority of the condition of our life actually is determined by the quality of our hearts. Jesus said, the word is a seed and it can go into stony, rocky, thorny, or good soil. And depending on the soil determines what kind of return or what it produces. Now, what did he say the soil was? Our hearts. And I'll tell you what, why this is an important yoke is because if you get offence in your heart, if you get just bitterness, disappointment. I'm not saying today never to have it. I'm saying you've got to learn how to deal with it. You need a mechanism to bring it between before God's grace and lay it before Him and trade your heaviness. Trade your heaviness for grace. How's your heart? This is part of His yoke. Okay, God, I, I open my heart to you. Let it be fruitful. Let it be productive. Let it produce good fruit. Have faith in God. It's a tenant of his teaching. Never ever become an unbelieving believer. Don't settle for it. Always have in your life, even if you can't get your head around it, always have the, the potential that God can do anything. That nothing's impossible. I need to let you know about this church. It is founded on the supernatural providence of a God who can turn anything around. We believe that. And sometimes we have to work out and how to reconcile it, maybe when it doesn't look like we think it was going to look. But I want to tell you, Jesus said it, have faith in God. This is a teaching and it's a yoke of our rabbi. And if you don't have faith in God today, get this word in you and faith comes by hearing. Get it back in your spirit and you begin to have response. And this is the next tenet of his teaching. Trust in God. Because while we wait for the things we believe, God wants us to have confidence in his character. And he wants to give us a gift while we wait for the thing we're waiting for. And do you know what that gift is, that gift? It's the gift of himself. While you wait for the answer, he will give you the gift of himself and trust unlocks it. And some of us have trusted, tried to trust, it didn't work out. It's not contingent on it working out. It is 100% contingent on his character and his nature and whether he is who he says he is. And Jesus said, next tenant, pray. You can't stop praying. This has got to be at the foundation of your life. I just, I keep talking to God. I keep praying with others. If you're in a home and you're all believers, but you don't pray together once, say, once every three months, change that. That's a small bar. Just hold hands, just pray. Together pray. If you can do it regularly, that's even better. Prayer is the power link between heaven and earth. If you're not in a connect group and you don't pray for each other, pray together. Get in the group. You know, I, I really feel like, you know, we, we worry too much and we pray too little. We stress too much and we talk to God far too less than we should. Faith comes by hearing, but I really believe prayer is that supernatural lightning rod. Forgive. This is a tenet of the teaching of the Rabbi Jesus to live under a light yoke. The, this yoke is a decision point. It's called being gracious to those who may have harmed us, just like Christ has been gracious to us. 
without this forgiveness working in our lives, we'll get locked up. We'll get that offence I was talking about. Be gracious. Be more gracious with people's mistakes. Be more gracious with your mistakes. What did that person say one time? You know, they, they did something and they're like, oh my gosh, what if God finds out? Right? And it's like, no, you need to flip that on your head and go, God, I need to talk to you because I've stuffed up. One has a revelation of God as a punisher. The other has a revelation of God being a father. And this is actually where forgiveness is founded. And we've got to have that kind of grace for ourselves. And was that the last one? Oh no, this horrible one. Learning how to love your enemies. So we're not trying to get retribution for ourselves. We're letting God, maybe a band can come up. We're letting God take over. We're trusting in the sovereignty of God. We are, we are being disciples that, you know, this is hard to do in a world that will cancel you at any moment. I'm certainly, I, I'm certainly finding it difficult, are you, to balance how to address wokeism, but also understand that we're called to respond in love. It is a very tricky line to walk. But we've got to keep trying to find the way with it because God does not give you permission to crucify some enemies because they didn't fit in a tidy box that we understood. Come on, keep responding, keep loving, keep embracing and, and believe that you can. There's another one, die to live. This is a tenant of the teaching of Rabbi Jesus to come under his yoke. What does that mean? God, you must increase and I must decrease. I, I have to learn to put to death some of those things that are in me that I know actually shouldn't be alive in me. Just, you know, your conversion, the point at which you became a Christian, this issue is not based on whether you got a good conversion or not. Paul agrees, we get to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, but you've got to put to death things of the flesh. In other words, it is more active than you realise, saying, no, I'm not going to respond in jealousy. No, I'm not going to let envy come into my thinking. No, I'm not going to let comparison rob me. No, I'm not going to let those lustful kind of, those desires and those, you've got to learn how to put them to death. Jesus said, if you lose your life, you will find it. But if you hold on to it, try and keep it, you will lose it. And then probably the final one is this. Walk with me. Come on, after you've done everything and you may not be able to master all these. I certainly have not mastered them. But you know, the ultimate goal is reconciliation to God, that we walk in step with Him. Because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. You're gonna survive any storm if that is your foundation. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage you to live yoked to Him. I want to pray this morning. I want to pray against distractions in our lives. I want to pray as well against deception in our life. Things that have come in that, you know, they feel like they are, for us, stuff we've got to hold on to, you know, and, and fight for, but they're not true. I want to pray that there would be a yoking this year to Christ in a way that it's like, can we bring up the, the cattle picture? You know, when we walk with Him, I, I heard a story of a pastor that was asked, I don't know why I'm looking at that for a pastor, but it's probably not too far off sometimes. And he and it had a big impact and it had a, 
accomplished so much and he was celebrating something like 40 or 50 years in ministry. And, and someone at the was interviewing him and it was recorded and they said, how have you done? Because he was like in all these nations and just the impact and what the kingdom of God had become is just blowing, blew their minds. And uh, the question was asked, the question was, how have, you, how have you done all of this in just one lifetime? And he answered it like this. He said, oh, there's not just one of us working at this. There's two. You're not just on your own. If you buy through the teaching of Christ, doing the teaching of Christ, any one of those, if you actually do that, it's not just one of you. You're not just on your own. You are yoked to the Messiah. You have the same Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead living in you. You have a power that will raise anything up that He wants raised up. You can live the abundant life. Because why? You cared to yoke yourself through His Word, through His teaching. And you might be a bit overwhelmed thinking, mate, great list. Like now I just quite like to give up. No, we're just gonna start. We're just gonna be disciples. What can, out of that list, what could you do this week? What could just be what? I just need to pray. I just actually need to change my prayer life. If you do that one thing, I just need to have faith in God. I just need to believe again. I just need to trust God. If you do that, this is what's gonna happen. You're going to be yoked to Jesus and not yoked to grandpa or grandma or the teacher or the thing or your limitation. And not only that, it's no longer gonna be just one of you. It's gonna be two of you. And I don't know if it's, um, what do you call it? Heresy? Why do I look to you when I ask for confirmation of that? Sorry, DK. I'll look to someone else. It's, it's not, I don't think it's heresy to say it's not just two of you either. I, I, I believe today, the Father smiling on you, the Son standing with fire in His eyes and the great Holy Spirit. So you've just become four people. You were one and you were going downhill fast. But now you've got this mighty army and there's how many thousands of angels? Apparently there's an angel with your name attached. There is, apparently there's angels assigned to you. There's a ladder going from heaven to earth that was in Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's probably an escalator. I just gotta shut this down, I'm getting excited. We're going into other teaching. I told you, I don't wanna be a heretic, but come on. I wanna challenge somebody. Get the teaching of Rabbi Jesus into your heart. Get it into your life. And it's not gonna be one of you, it's gonna be four of you. And I declare it in Jesus' name. So Father, I pray today against distraction. I pray against the voices that play. I pray against that, um, that tendency, Lord, to just be so tuned into everyone else's word but yours. And I pray today that upon this people, you would lose great faith, great faith. I pray for, here's what I'm praying for, an appetite to get their noses in this word and to say, so is this a yoke that I'm living by? Is this the yoke? Is this my experience? Is it even my desire? Father, I pray. I pray against the half-baked lies of the enemy. 
even those lies today that are at full force, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would melt in your presence. I pray right here, right now, that there would be a change and a shift. I pray against the thoughts that were handed down through generational lines that came from witchcraft, that came from 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 witchy boards, from 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 seances, whatever it would be that were placed in our lineage. I break their hold today, and I pray that the truth would be released and that people would be free in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that there would be a great appetite to know that we're under your yoke, that we're under your grace, and we come to your feet today and eat from your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I want to pray for anyone here today that has never, ever been able to say, Jesus, you're my Saviour. Jesus, you're my Lord. You've never taken up His invitation that I read at the start. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. You know, the, the, the most beautiful thing that He did for us was on the cross, that He gave His life so our souls could have rest. Sin created eternal work, and you never win. You never, ever win by it. But when Jesus said His work, He said in John 19.30, It is finished. He finished the work so we could come into rest. And today, if you've never known His forgiveness, you've never known Him calling your name, He's calling you right now. He's drawing you, you to Himself. I want to pray for people. I actually want to make a fresh commitment. You want to make a commitment to Jesus. You, you're actually not sure. You don't have assurance that you're really saved. You might have grown up going to church and you might have thought, well, that's enough. No, it's not enough. We've got to get to the point where we know Christ has done it all and that we are surrendered to Him and that He alone does the saving and the work that needed to be done for us. And just with our eyes closed, heads bowed, I want to pray a prayer. That is a prayer of surrender. It's for those here today. Maybe you made this decision a long time ago or maybe you've never, ever had this invitation knowing the significance of it. I want to pray a prayer. And maybe just within your heart, I just ask everybody to pray this out loud, this prayer after me, follow after me. But from your heart, you're really wanting to receive Jesus today. Pray it with everything you've got. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today taking up Jesus' invitation to come to you to receive forgiveness and grace. I thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you died for me and you rose again for me. I ask for that life to come alive in me by your Spirit. Destroy sin. Destroy this old nature. And give me the new nature that comes by your love. Now fill me with your love so I'm overflowing so I know that I know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.